1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: First and 10 from just inside the Chargers 35. Mahomes again from the gun. Takes the low snap. Looks left. Pump fakes. Throws over the middle. Completes. It's Kelsey at the 30. Kelsey break. have won it in overtime. You know, a lot of people are saying that we're, we were down and out, and um, I'm not saying by any means we're where we need to be, but it definitely feels like we're on track to, to getting there, and it's, uh, in terms of our swagger, man, we always got that swagger, man. We always just keep trying to find ways uh, to get wins.
1: Oh, yes, a lot of people were saying they were down and out, because they were, down and out how dare we have recognized that a team was struggling I mean what else are we going to say oh we know they're really good they aren't what their record says they are they actually are more capable of doing things that we aren't seeing them do on a regular basis I always love that where the motivation comes from the fact that we dared to point out that they weren't very good. We now dare to point out that they're pretty damn good. It's PFT Live, Miles Simmons, Mike Florio. Good morning to everyone out there who's enjoying the program on Peacock, NBCSN, our good friends in the UK and in Ireland who watch the show on Sky Sports. Miles does PFT PM, which isn't on Sky twice a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. So Miles, this is your big chance. This is your opportunity to invade Great Britain, all the fine cities, towns, counties if they have counties i don't know if they do oh, no. sorry london so uh don't get don't get nervous i know you get nervous don't get nervous
0: well yeah i mean it's it's probably like a, a time that they should be awake over there and you know from here in los angeles it is not so i i assume we're not live we're not live oh, we're, we're not, not, not now, live we're not live don't worry no we're
1: not live <laughs> it shows you how I much know. you watch the show right. in the morning
0: Well, well, and you know what time it is over here right now, Mike, it's four in the morning in Los Angeles. So I mean, I assume that there are a lot of uh, people that you went through on the roster before you got down to me, but I'm I'm really happy to be here to wake up with you.
1: I have lived my entire life at the bottom of the roster. So you have company in that regard, (laughs) but, but I, I will say this and I do have to give you credit we got plenty to talk about. We'll talk about the Chiefs' charges, everything else happening in the NFL. we got two hours. We have twice the time that we usually do, so that's more time really? to screw around and talk about things that aren't on the list of things we're supposed to talk about. i got to give you credit because you are in an undisclosed location in California where the time is 4 a.m. local time, and you made the mistake last week of saying, oh, I'd get up to do the show because we gave you a pass in the past. We're like, oh, we can't have him. We can't. I mean, come on. I mean, we're jerks, but we're not that big of jerks that we're going to ask a guy to get up and do a show at 4 a.m. local time. You're like, no, I'll do it. It's like, well, okay, fine. Fine. Hollow offer. Hollow offer accepted. It's 4 a.m. And you got your booster yesterday. Once I I saw you were getting your booster yesterday, I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to end well, but so far you're feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, I am. Hey, man, we got, we're, we're right at the beginning of the show, though. So I guess we'll see in two hours if it actually was a really bad idea by me. But at least, like, we have a really exciting game to talk about. And usually you and I don't get to, like, recap games because we're on in the afternoon. And after you've already done that in the morning, and I'm on, on Wednesdays and Fridays, so we're usually previewing more than recapping. And like we got a really good game to talk about. So I don't know, I feel like it's a pretty good opportunity to just like wake up Let's talk some football. Let's talk some Chiefs. I love what they did last night.
1: Friday shows are fun because you got a Thursday night game to discuss on the front end. And then you got Sunday games to talk about as the show continues to unfold. And that's exactly what we'll do over the balance of the next two hours. And by the way, Miles, for your information, the show is on at seven o'clock local time on Sky Sports NFL in the UK and throughout Ireland, which means we are primetime baby. So, wow, uh, let's 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 inform and entertain the folks all over the world who are giving us a little of their time to hear what dumb things that I may have to say. And Miles has proven that he doesn't say dumb things or he wouldn't be getting this assignment. Somehow I still continue to hold on to it. All right. The game last night, seventh win in a row for the Kansas City Chiefs, seven in a row, huge game in the division, big game, swing game. And if the Chargers had won that game, they'd, they'd be in first place with the tiebreaker, the head-to-head sweep, because they won back in week three in Kansas City. So that was one of those games. And when you get later in the season, that's why I like to cluster the divisional games like this season. They mean so much. It's that huge momentum swing. It's that thing that pushes down an upstart like the Chargers that had designs on doing what they did on a Thursday night three years ago, where they, they beat the Chiefs in Kansas City and were in position to have the one seed if they hadn't lost to the Ravens the following Saturday. So it was a huge game, exciting game and a good game for the last Thursday Night Football game ever to be aired on Fox. Did you hear, did you happen to hear that? They mentioned that, I don't know, just once or twice last night from the pregame show throughout the three-hour broadcast. It's the last Thursday Night Football game on Fox. Oh, I wasn't was aware of that. that? No. I, I, I'm glad. The last Thursday night football game ever on Fox. In case you were wondering, it was the last it's, Thursday night football game ever on Fox. sounded like you were going to say
0: broad crap. There uh, is that really what you meant there? Did uh, I say like, what? Did I say what? Broad, what did I say? Broad crap? I don't know. It broadcast? Like no. Broadcast?
1: Gonna- no. Okay. No. No. It, it I'm very like careful you to about
0: yourself. I don't know.
1: No. No. I did not say broad crap. I okay. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. But but I, I will say this: we just so you're aware, in the event you hear from anyone that you may know in the UK and Ireland the the uh the, the person with their finger on the buzzer that bleeps the words because they they they're very very some days very very liberal with the bleeping of the words so crap sometimes gets bleeped Piss really we can't get bleeped oh. all the time can't say crap well, sorry, well, you can I didn't, I didn't but don't bleep it I didn't know oh, and okay. and 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 like you know the the swears that when I was growing up you couldn't you you just like you know like Fart and piss and ass. You like, like they'll bleep those. So somebody's gonna be watching. They're gonna be like, "What did he just say?" They just bleep three straight words he said. But the other day, and I mentioned all this because Chris Sims intentionally and deliberately went Marshawn Lynch and dropped an S bomb. Just, oh. just did it. it. Wasn't even an accident. He's done it accidentally in the past without repercussion. So now he's emboldened to do it on purpose. And they didn't bleep it on Sky. So I have a theory that. The the extent to which they bleep the things we say, here, over there is dependent on whether or not that person's watching a Premier League soccer match during Uh. the broadcast of the show. If there's a good soccer match on, not quite as diligent about the bleeps, right? So you never know. So just so just so you're aware. Anyway. what was I saying? Oh, yeah, it was the last Thursday night game ever on Fox, if you hadn't heard. But it was an exciting game. It was a great game. And one of the big talking points out of this game, well, let me start with what we saw. Well, it's already been 10 minutes ago with the Travis Kelsey touchdown. Where do you fall on the camp of the first drive of overtime, touchdown, ends the game without the other team getting an opportunity and winning the coin toss, as Andy Reid said last night, means so much in that setting?
0: Play defense, right? I mean, you know, you have Brandon Staley who is a head coach that was the the defensive coordinator of the top defense in the league last year. You've got really good players like Joey Bosa. I know Derwin James was not out there for that drive, you know, but, like, play defense. You know, you have opportunities to tackle Travis Kelsey, and I realize that he is a great athlete who is also hailing from the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, just like myself. And it's hard to get him down, but – you know, there's not just one phase of this game. I don't like the way they do it in college where, you know, you start playing at the 25 and everybody gets a chance and it's this and it's that. It's like, it's a different sport. You now, there's more than one phase to this thing. So if you want to get the ball back, then you got to stop them on defense. So you know, just play defense and they weren't able to do it. And so that's why the chiefs were able to go down there and score so easily.
1: The problem I have with it is with the rules skewed so heavily toward offense as the years have gone by. They introduced the true sudden death overtime back in 1974. All it took was a field goal. That lasted for 35 years. It wasn't until the 2009 NFC Championship when the Saints win the toss. They get a couple of questionable calls. They get a couple of first downs. you got these field goal kickers with howitzers now that can make 50-plus yarders. It's a lot easier to do the walk-off three-point winner, so they got rid of it. And they came up with this hybrid thing where, well, if it's a field goal on the first drive, the other team gets a chance to match or beat it we saw that happen just five days ago in Cincinnati when the 49ers matched and beat the uh, first drive field goal that the Bengals scored in overtime so I, I I think that there should be an opportunity always to match what the uh, the, the team does and I've got different ideas for overtime and we, we don't have the time to get into it today I, I like thinking of ways to make the overtime exciting to make it memorable to make it fair I ultimately want it to be fair and the problem is anytime you start going beyond the full 60 minutes you know you've got all sorts of balancing interests involved including not having guys play another hundred and or another 60 minutes and making it a 120 minute game I mean there's a point where it has to end so uh, I, I just I hate seeing it happen I hated seeing it happen to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game in 2018 when the winning of the coin toss fueled the Patriots drive down the field and kept Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. I didn't like that. I didn't like Justin Herbert on the sidelines last night. There's got to be a better solution that is more fair than having so much of the game come down to so random of an act. That's the problem I have with it. If there was some objective basis, and I'm not not advocating this, Twitter, go easy, but even something like whoever had the most net yards, whoever had the fewest turnovers. I mean, that's at least rooted in what you've done in the first 60 minutes of the game and not just we're going to throw this piece of metal in the air and which side it happens to land on is going to give one team or the other a dramatic advantage in potentially winning the game. I just don't like that.
0: So you, well, you would maybe advocate for yards that you had in regulation being one of the determining factors that would get you the ball in overtime first?
1: That I'm saying, I'm not advocating for it. Why are you doing this to me? I'm saying that it's an idea. It's a talking point. And I think I remember. I
0: shouldn't have said advocating. You are presenting the idea of a solution. For discussion discussion purposes, for discussion purposes,
1: something that is more fair and more reflective of what's transpired during the 60 minutes that we just watched, then we are going to take this round disc and I am going to fling it upward with my thumb and we're going to watch it spin and strike the ground. And whichever side it lands on, facing up, not facing down, facing up, that's going to determine who gets the ball to start overtime. I just don't like that. I think there should be some other way that is a little more fair. I think the process itself of playing overtime should be more fair. I just don't think it's fair. To, and, and the play defense thing may have worked in the 70s, long before you were born, but it doesn't work today because the rules are so skewed. I mean, what if we would have had one of these nothing-the-passer calls last night to give the Chiefs 15 yards of free field position? They happen all the time. There could have been somebody may have breathed the wrong way on Patrick Mahomes, and they had thrown a flag, and you get 15 yards, and it's easier to get that touchdown and win the game. I know it didn't happen, but it's just an example of the way that the rules are skewed toward offense so the play defense the get off my lawn I don't like single digit numbers just play defense attitude that you surprisingly and ironically would advocate since you're the young one on the show I reject that in today's NFL
0: I mean, I understand why people would want to see both Justin Herbert and uh, Patrick Mahomes go back and forth with it in overtime. But I mean, in order to win the game, then, you know, if the Chargers were to get a rebuttal, then the Chiefs would still have to play defense, too. Right. So I just I don't know. I, I just feel like at some point you have to say, well, this is the way the game is structured. You know, the Chargers could have done any number of things to keep the Chiefs out of the end zone, whether it's sacking Patrick Mahomes, you know, putting a little bit better coverage on Tyreek Hill. I know that that's sometimes practically impossible, bringing down Travis Kelsey to make sure that they had to settle for a field goal instead of just letting Travis Kelsey kind of waltz into the end zone while he's waving the football like this. Like, there's just so many different ways that yet you can bring them down and at least try to make them do something different. I, I just, I don't know. I, I know it's not the most fair thing in the world, but it really doesn't bother me, I guess, as much as it does you and other people and folks on Twitter and all of that, that this is the way the overtime rules are. I, I, because it's just, it's the, it's the sport. I, I still think that because it resembles the game that we watched for the last, you know, 60 minutes of play, uh, that it's fu- it's not great, but it's at least fine and so I'm saying like I like that better than what they do in college because that's not the same sport this is at least the same sport when you're playing it in OT
1: I'm glad to know that your standards are at that level that very high bar of it's fine this is fine
0: <laughs> why do you this think I keep fine. doing this show with you it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine
1: it's fine it's fine it's that, fine that, that's that that well. that will be fine now, okay. I have one idea. By the way, I have, I, you know, when, when, Kel, when Travis Kelsey's doing that's kind of the old school. They used to do that a long time ago yeah. where you'd run into the end zone like that. Just be careful you don't do that in the direction of an opponent or they're going to flag you for taunting. I hadn't sure. thought of that until just now. Wouldn't have mattered last night. Game's over. And they don't take the touchdown off the board for in-play taunting like they do in college. But you got to be careful when you're waving that ball around. and Any other guys who saw it and say, I'm going to copy that move, just don't stick it in someone's face because that's how you end up getting yourself a taunting flag. One way... One way to avoid overtime altogether would be to score more points during the game itself, and that's particularly relevant to what the Chargers did last night because of all these newfangled analytics approaches that result in (laughs) Brandon Staley, the coach of the team, one of the candidates for coach of the year, going forward on fourth down, going forward on fourth down, eschewing the field goal in an effort to get the touchdown. And I've said time and again, you got to score touchdowns, not field goals to beat the Chiefs. Now, that's not today's Chiefs. That's Chiefs of a year, two, three years ago. It's always nice to get some points on the board. And let's hear from Brandon Staley. Before we criticize any more than I plan to, I don't know about you, Miles, but I plan to criticize some of these decisions. Here's Brandon Staley talking about his proclivity to go for it on fourth down.
2: That's the way we're going to play around here. That's the way we're going to play. And, um, you know, when we have a quarterback like ours and we have an offense like ours, that's the way we're gonna play because that's how you need to play against Kansas City for sure. Um, And that's how uh, we're gonna become the team that we're ultimately capable of being. It's it's just, it's life in the NFL when in decision-making like that. And I think that from where my mindset is, is that I know that the quickest way to win a game like that is to score touchdowns, not field goals, especially considering who's on the other side. And to me, when you feel like you're in an advantage situation, when you don't feel like it's a gamble, when you feel like this is an advantage for you, then that's gonna be our mindset. Okay, and I don't think that any decision that we made tonight, I made tonight, was a gamble. We felt like it was an advantage situation for us, and that's why we did it. If we didn't feel like that was the case, then we would have kicked a field goal or we would have punted. And um, that's the way we're gonna do things around here. And, uh, you know, I know that our team uh, embraces that mindset, and uh, we're gonna continue to do it. Every game we play moving forward.
1: They failed on three of five fourth down attempts, but part of it was the circumstance, the long kickoff return to start the game and no points because they went for it on fourth and goal from the five and the ball came out there. They almost had it. They went for it on fourth and two in the third quarter uh in plus territory eschewing a field goal that would have been it uh, looks like it would have been about what uh, 45 47 yards they they uh they had another one uh deep in kansas city territory where they went for the the first down instead of the the field goal and i i disagree with the idea as i said earlier that you necessarily must have touchdowns against these Chiefs because these aren't the forty-two point per game Chiefs. I know they just rolled up forty-eight on the Raiders, but they're different than they were. Now they're getting better, but they're different. And also, I just think at the end of the half, right? Wasn't it the end of the half yeah. when yes. they, yeah, yes. they they, they could have had they could have had three and going up seventeen to ten and just have that little psychological edge. I just I think that's what what. And I don't want to. I'm just. It's going to be a long day, and I don't need the analytics mob up my ass today because they, they, they are really the reasonable and flexible, and they're very they're very uh, open to different ideas. They they understand that sometimes the forty nine percent makes more sense than the 51, even though 51 is greater than 49, I am aware of that. And I am aware that, you know, if you flip that coin a million times, it's better to always go with the 51 side, but we don't have the luxury of doing it a million times. We're doing it one time in one setting with one team against another team. And that's the thing that I feel like anytime you try to have that conversation, Anytime you try to bring reality into these discussions, you get shouted down. You're stupid. You're dumb. How dare you? How dare you disrespect the numbers? The numbers don't. Right. So, no, no. The numbers say you always go for it here. You all, no matter how small the difference is, 51 to 49, 50.00001 to 49.99999, you always do. Uh, come on you, you got to think about things like wait we had this long touch today. this is this, this long uh, kick return and we get nothing out of it we're going into halftime we'd rather be up 17-10 than 14-10 yeah it'd be great to make it 21-10 but that's that's part of the risk you're taking when you do this and there is risk involved it is a gamble you are you know i understand that they're trying to turn it into a mathematical equation and we're going to do this all the time we're always going to be this way i just i think that There's a danger in being that rigid in your thinking. And what we've done is we've we've replaced the model that used to be you always did the conventional thing with you always do the thing that the numbers tell you to do. I think reality is best played out in the middle ground where, you know, sometimes the conventional thing, that's not what we're going to do. Sometimes the thing the numbers tell us to do, that's not what we're going to do. That, that's where I think the best coaches are going to reside.
0: Okay, yes. But I also think it's important to have an identity. And so this is kind of like what Mike Tomlin was saying about the Ravens you know, a couple of weeks ago when the Ravens decided to go for two. And Mike Tomlin said like that makes them a little bit predictable because we know that they're going to be aggressive. That's just who they are. This is who the Brandon Staley Chargers are, right? They go for it pretty much more than anybody else, and so if you allow them to be in a space where it's fourth and goal from like the three or in, right, or the five or in, they're going to go for it. If it's fourth and two, fourth and one, and they're in plus territory, they're usually going to go for it. You know that, so you have to be prepared for it. And I think, I think Tyron Matthew was talking about that during the week, just how aggressive they are and how you know that just because you stop them on third down, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get it. Now, I I tend to agree with you to a point where it's like, all right, you don't necessarily want to just be all numbers dictated. I think the only place where I really was kind of like, I don't know if I would have gone for it there was at the end of the half where you have the opportunity to get points. And then if you don't get points, then you don't have the benefit of Kansas city starting backed up all the way in their own territory. I just, I felt like that's a place where, yeah, if you can go up seven, go up seven. I texted my buddies. Like, I think I'm not, I don't have the stones that Brandon Staley does to go for it in this situation. I'm a soft boy. I would have just, I would have taken the the, the field goal there and I would have gone up seven. But I think that when you have that identity, and this is what Staley was talking about in that clip we played, you know, that's how they want to play. That's how they're going to play. I think Sometimes establishing that kind of identity, especially in year one as a head coach, can maybe be a little bit more important, you know, because you know the things that you're going to do going forward. So I at least have respect for Staley for just kind of sticking to his guns and knowing that they're going to do these kinds of things and they're always prepared to do it, whether or not they work. It's like it's process over results.
1: And look, it's easy to stick to your guns and craft this identity when you're in the first year of a four or five year contract and you're not going to get fired anytime soon. And you're on the right side of 500. Now they're eight and six. They, I thought would be better than that this year. And they had the opportunity last night to, to be better than that. And Ultimately, and you look, you can't say, well, if they had just kicked one of those field goals, they would have won because you have to go back to that point and replay the game from there on because it changes the feel. It changes the vibe. It changes the reaction from the Chiefs based upon what the score is when they get the ball back. But it's tempting to say, boy, this game would have turned out differently if they just would have taken three here and three there and three there. It's nine points that they left on the board. And it's easy to focus on the fourth down attempts where they failed because they did convert two of them. But still, going for it five times, that would have been unheard of not all that long ago. And that's just an example of how all the money that's been spent on the analytics department and the influence that they have, pipeline to the coach, audience with ownership. One of the things I've heard from someone who's been in the fray in recent years, it's a lot harder for the head coach to bamboozle the owner now with jargon that the owner is armed with data and statistics and pushes back aggressively. And that's one of the benefits that the analytics department provides to ownership to better communicate with and push back against a head coach who would try to maybe overpower the owner with the same personality traits that are used in the locker room. So it has changed the game in many ways. But I still think – and as you said, when – you know, the, you go for it on fourth down, deep in the opponent's territory, because if you don't get it, you are likely to get it back because they're working off of a short uh, field. You potentially working off a short field because they're they're going to be careful about what they do. Yeah, but in some situations, the half's ending, the game's ending, and and I know that the four. Hey, hey anytime you oh, the, we have we have a. A, a formula for that we have a formula for this it's always the response all oh, the numbers are just yes. the, 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 the numbers account for that anytime you raise a factor all oh, will trust us the numbers account for it. well who's coming up with all these formulas is there some accepted bible of formula everybody's got their own algorithm i assume you got you know got one guy from mit that he's got this system guy from ivy league school like columbia for example this system i, I i'm just not sure that i, I don't like this blind approach to Oh, OK, well, the numbers say it, so it must be right. Also, also, you made the Mike Tomlin argument. And, and I think when Mike Tomlin said what he said about the Ravens, it made a light bulb flicker for me, Miles, because I don't think you ever want to be so predictable in your aggressiveness. You know, I I think you want to have an edge of unpredictability in everything you do on a football field, every snap, every situation, every scenario. You know, so when Tyron Matthew and his teammates get a big stop on third and five, that they just aren't assuming, all right, let's go, let's do it again. You make them think about it for 10 seconds. You make, the, you make the coach think, am I sending in my punt team? Am I sending in my field goal block team? What am I doing here? But when you're dealing with a team that you always know what they're going to do, it takes some of that, that mental stress out of the game. That's another reason why I don't like whatever it is, whether you're on the old school side, we always kick, or this Brandon Staley side where we always go for it, I think there are risks to both in being that predictable.
0: Yeah, exactly. You do want the air of unpredictability. Now, I think even if you know that teams are going to go for it, you don't really know exactly what they're going to run and how they're going to try to get past the sticks in order to keep a drive alive or get into the end zone, whatever it happens to be. But I, I, I think we're concurring here because I feel like we're going from different angles to get to the same place, which is basically you need to use the data, but you also need to know the feel of what it is that your team is doing. And so it becomes more of a case-by-case basis, whether or not you decide that you're going to be aggressive in a situation or whether you say, you know what, let's just try to get some points here with a kick. And, you know, the other thing about kicking at this point right now is that kickers are not necessarily as good as they used to be, right? They're missing a lot of extra points. And I know that in the last few years, they've moved that extra point back. So it makes it a little bit different, but Also, it's not there are other things that can happen that are bad on a kick, right? Maybe it gets blocked. Maybe uh, somebody doesn't line up properly. So it's not always just that it's an automatic three points either. I mean, I think from, you know, the five yard line and in, we can assume that a a kicker can hit that chip shot. But, you know, we saw your Vikings in the postseason a few years ago. Mike, they didn't really do that. So there are other things that can happen on. Kicks. But I, I think that, again, we're, I think we're concurring here. Like it's, it's got to be a case by case basis and you use the numbers as a tool, not just as a rule. Oh,
1: I, like I like that. I like that. Another thing that came up this week in the discussions among the writers at PFT, the idea that, you know, with a, an extra point, and this gets to an issue that didn't come up last night, but it's part of this revolution in thinking about the way you you coach a football team and the way you make decisions, the whether or not you go for two decision. When you yeah. go for one, you you know exactly what you're doing. It's a mechanical exercise in trying to put the ball through the uprights. When you go for two, okay, now you got to have a play. And this gets back to the consternation of Mike Zimmer, the Vikings coach, a couple of weeks ago when they went for two several different times and he didn't like the plays that were called. Well, coach you kind of got to factor in your list of two-point plays before you decide to go for two. It's not just flip a switch, let's go for two. You got to think, how do I feel about the two-point conversion plays we've installed this week, that we've practiced this week? Does it work against this defense? How deep, how deep on the list of two-point plays have we already gone? Short yardage plays. You know, do we want to save this for later, not not save the going for two itself but saving this I really like this play I don't my gut tells me I don't want to use it now that is a real factor here and Sean Payton's explained that to us that that's yeah. one of the reasons why you don't get so wedded to the numbers that you always all right up time to go up up chart says go for two yeah but but I'd rather save that play for later. I got a feeling I'm going to need that play later. I don't want to. I don't want to use it now. I'll use it later. Mm-hmm. That's another side of this too, and it gets into you know if you're talking about four, fourth and short, you've got your list of short yardage plays for the week. How do you feel about them? The Chargers apparently felt better about them than they should have last night.
0: I mean, yeah, but they, they also you got to give the Chiefs credit for making plays when they needed to make plays. I mean, it, 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 that's kind of what it comes down to. I, I think. Steve Spagnuolo was really good at making sure that the Chiefs defense was prepared for the kinds of different plays that the Chargers would run in those kinds of situations, those short yardage situations. And so when guys are making plays, you know, they're getting the tips, they're getting, they're getting balls batted down. They're having good coverage. You know, they're ready to make a play inside to stop the run. I mean, Justin Herbert, when he goes for it on fourth down and all, he's like six foot six, right. All he's got to do, Is fall forward. That one, I mean, I think makes a hell of a lot of sense when you have a quarterback of that stature, you just QB sneak it in that short yardage situation. So I, like I said, I I think that it's gotta be case by case. And so that's why you have the best coaches. I think understand that there are different situations where yes, The Numbers may say one thing, but based on what I'm feeling in the game, you know, based on who may or may not be available for a certain play, based on what the defense has been presenting to us, based on how we played in different ways throughout the course of this game, coaches love to say that each game takes on a life of its own. And I think that's what you really have to factor into the different decisions of going for it versus kicking it.
1: This gets back to another point we were making, though, because you gave Steve Spagnuolo the appropriate praise for having his defense ready to make those stops. Probably one of the reasons he had his defense ready to make those stops is they knew all week long who they were playing, knows their identity, knows they're going to go for it on fourth down. We got to be ready for this. They're going to go for it on fourth down. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what I think. I've studied what they've done on fourth down plays in the past. Here's what we got to be ready for. And they made the stops. That's why I'm an advocate of unpredictability in the sport, in every setting. Unpredictability at the line of scrimmage, based on your formations, based on the down and distance, because you become predictable with the things you do. That's why film study is so important. That's why studying, you know, what comes out of a given formation. What are they more likely to do when they have the tight end here versus over here? When they have the the running back to the left or the right, when they have two receivers here, two receivers, all the different ways that you can line up. What's that going to become? All those things you have to constantly fight against becoming predictable. And this is just the latest iteration of fighting against predictability because maybe that's ultimately why they failed last night because the Chiefs knew we're going to be ready for these fourth down plays that's going to be one of the things we do this week we're ready to stop them on fourth down I've been talking to these guys you know what they do you know who they are they don't hide it we're going to stop them when it's time to go stop them so that's just more food for thought as we try to evolve into some sort of, and I agree, you and I are concurring more than we're disagreeing here, but my God, you got to tiptoe around the analytics mob. I tried to make a joke last night and they lose their minds. I tweeted, all of these failed fourth down tries by the Chargers could wreak havoc on the formulas that prompted them to go for it in fourth. And I, oh, don't you understand? It's only yeah. three. There's millions of these things. I know. Sh- Almost said it. No crap. (laughs) No crap. But the point I've always made, the point I've always made about this is those numbers, those formulas are the product of decades of these scenarios. And when I'm the coach of a team, I don't have decades to sign on 100% with this approach because if I just have a run of bad luck, if the dice aren't hot for me, for a couple of years, I'm out of a job because of this. Now, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's gotten to the point where when you know, you're know, you not going to get grilled by the owner anymore. Why did you do it? They know why you did it. It's more why didn't you do what the numbers told you to do? Why were you conservative there? Why did you punt? Why did you kick a field goal? That's the problem. You used to get second-guessed for doing the unconventional thing. Now you get second-guessed for doing the thing that used to be regarded as conventional.
0: Yes, of course. And so that's why I think that if you're Brandon Staley, I agree with what he said in the press conference after the game, because I think he explained it very, very well. This is who we are. This is our identity. But the thing about identities is, right. You can start to become predictable, but so you have to be, make sure that, you know, whatever plays you have are not just exactly the same things that you've been running and you can try to make things a little bit easier on yourself. But I. You know, when you know that this is what you're going to do, the best teams, you can run what you're going to run and other teams aren't going to be able to stop you. And so, you know, they've got one of the best young QBs in the game. They've got a good running game. I know they didn't have Slater, their left tackle yesterday, but they've got another one of the good offensive linemen in the game. Like, There are reasons why they can do this and can be successful with this approach. So I, I get the approach. I really do. And I think that if this is who you want to be, then these are the kinds of decisions that you're going to have to continue to make. But I I also understand that sometimes the math, you know, is sometimes overwhelming and there's other things that factor into it, but I I didn't really disagree with any of the times that they went for it last night. I I, kind of did, like I said earlier, the the only time that I wouldn't have personally done it was at the end of the half, but, but that's because I don't have the stones that Staley does. And I think that if, you are trying to say, look, this is who we are, and this is what we're going to be in my head coaching tenure, then you keep doing it. And so mostly it's incumbent on defenses to make sure that they're in unfavorable fourth down situations, right? There is one play where Eckler comes out of the backfield and he catches it and he gets it from like third and eight, third and seven to fourth and two. And it's like, okay, well, you know that they're going to go for it from that standpoint, right? You have to be able to tackle him when you have the opportunity to make it like fourth and five and fourth and six. And that's more or less where they're going to be a little bit more unpredictable because at that point they really have to make a decision. If, if you as a defense allow them to get into favorable fourth down situations, then they've already made the choice. They already know what it is. It's more of that like gray area where it's like fourth and five, fourth and six. I don't know. I mean, they could, or maybe they could like, that's where maybe they have more of a sense of unpredictability.
1: But they don't. They don't. I mean, yeah, the farther you are from the sticks, the farther you are from the end zone, the less likely you are to go for it. But we saw him go for it on fourth and goal from the five. I mean, that, that's not a short, simple, you know, effort. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs, though, because they are yes. back. They are back. And their offense last night was phenomenal. Patrick Mahomes, 410 passing yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Travis Kelsey had a career high in receiving yards with 191 on 10 catches and two touchdowns, capped by the game winner. uh, Tyreek Hill added 148 receiving yards on 12 catches with a touchdown. Kind of a quiet 148 for a guy that we're accustomed to having big nights. And we'd been wondering – Where are like both of them weren't showing up at the same time? And where's the other element to the offense? Well, last night, it's not like somebody else stepped up and had a big game. Patrick Mahomes got the most out of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. and, And that's kind of what we had gotten used to seeing from the Chiefs the past few years.
0: Absolutely. I mean, those are his two best offensive weapons. And when those three are working in concert like they did last night, that's what basically makes the Chiefs impossible to stop. And earlier this season, we saw all kinds of stuff that look, just did not look characteristic of that offense, whether it was Kelsey or uh, whether it was Tyreek Hill, the drop passes, Mahomes and those two guys weren't necessarily on the same page all the time. And when that happens, then yeah, the the Chiefs offense is going to look out of sync. And frankly, I thought even for a stretch of that game, Patrick Mahomes didn't look like he was in sync with those two guys or even with the entire offense, right? I mean, he had that pass that he just threw into the dirt. And I think it's because it's pretty clear he didn't have a good grip on that football. But then once he really started to get going with Travis Kelsey, with Tyreek Hill, got that 69-yard pass we're looking at right here, it just... It makes a huge difference. And when those three guys are rolling, they are basically impossible to stop.
1: Yeah, you know, that that throw every once in a while when you see the greatest quarterback arguably in today's game, one of the greats of all time already, and I know that he's had some struggle this year, but he's still very special in what he does. When you see him do that, it's kind of refreshing. It's just a nice reminder that these guys are ultimately human and that they're capable of stepping on a rake from time to time, just like the rest of us do. I could make the throw that Patrick Mahomes made that went right. I'm confident I could make that throw. The problem is, I make it far more often than he would. That was, uh, that was a weird thing. There was something with the grip. It reminded me of Brucey yeah. from the Longest Yard remake saying, I just ate popcorn. I mean, something was going on with Patrick Mahomes and the footballs last night. I mean, just, that's like, yeah. I, hey, I could, make that, I could make that throw 10 out of 10 times. So, yeah. uh, and otherwise, otherwise, you take that one away, he had a pretty damn good night. Let's hear a little bit from the victors since we have the sound ready for you. We may, we may as well play it. A little Andy Reid, a little Patrick Mahomes, a little Travis Kelsey on what a great night Kelsey had.
0: I mean, I, I never I don't think I've ever been a part of a walk-off uh, touchdown or anything like that. Um, and so um, to to be, be in
1: that moment, find him underneath and him making such a, a dynamic play where, <clears throat> I mean, he cut back, ran ran by people. I mean, he, you would think he's old, so he can't run by people, but he's still running by people. Um, and and he got in the end zone. It was just a special moment, and I'm glad that, I mean, all that hard work that he puts in every single day is paying off.
2: For, for the old man, Kelsey, um, you know, uh, when everybody's talking about him losing a step or being off his game, here he steps up and um, looked pretty fast to me. Man, I'm alive, he was rolling. Coach Reed always reminds me when I'm when I'm feeling a little sore. Those he keeps, he always kind of throws a jab at me. Said, "Feel like you're 22 again, baby," and instead of 32, I was 22 tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, Travis Kelsey's been getting it done for a long time, and he was moving very well on that game winner, and moved moved well all night long. What 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 a time to have! just look at that play. That is a that is amazing it's a thing, a beauty to just weave through the defense with the game on the line, and uh, good for Travis Kelsey. He's always been one of the good guys in the NFL, and people were questioning him this year. Where's he been? What's he doing? Well, he was doing plenty last night, Miles.
0: Absolutely he was. Look, I, I think that whenever you're talking about Travis Kelsey and losing a step, it could be at your own peril, right? Because this is one of the greatest tight ends who has ever played the game. I don't think that there's any disputing that considering what he's been able to do over the course of his career. And so we just kind of sometimes you got to remind people, hey, man, I'm, I'm still here and I still know what I can do. Look, this guy can continue playing as long as he wants. Because he's one of those kinds of veterans now that it's not just the physical skill set. It's also the knowledge of how defenses are going to try to play him, that he can be as crafty as he was, especially on that last touchdown, where he knows, all right, well, if I take this angle, then I'm going to have a better shot at beating this guy. And then, hey, they're going to try to come at me from this angle. But let me go this way so I know I can make it to the end zone. It's so, so fun to watch when he is on like he was last night.
1: Meanwhile, Justin Herbert is on his way to doing some very special things. The first guy in NFL history to have 30 passing touchdowns in his first two seasons, each of his first two years in the NFL. He surpassed Andrew Luck for the most passing yards in the first two NFL seasons of any player last night, and he passed Dan Marino for the most total touchdowns by any player through their first two seasons with 71. So. Herbert really is special and that's why you know I I look at eight and six now and I think this team should be better than eight and six I'm not going to say they are better than eight and six because you are what your record says you are but they should be better than eight and six they've had some inconsistencies they've had some games where it just didn't work but with with Justin Herbert this is a team that's going to be on the right side of 500 pretty much every year he's there the question is how long until they put it all together? They do have something special, and maybe maybe the justification for always going for it on fourth down is I'd always rather have Justin Herbert on the field than anyone else on my team. And if keeping him on the field means going for it on fourth down, then let's go for it on fourth down.
0: Yeah, and that's what Brandon staley has been talking about. You know, you have a special quarterback. You have somebody who can go out there and make all of the throws make some unbelievable throws I mean, that throw that he had last week, a uh, 59 yard touchdown was one of the best things that you'll ever see because that's just, most people don't have the arm strength, the capability of throwing that. I mean, the, the touchdown he had last night to Keenan Allen that he just fires that thing in there, man, it was like there was smoke coming off the ball. So there are special things that he can do. And it's so fun that both he and Patrick Mahomes are in the AFC West. So that we get this matchup two times a year. I, I don't know if I really expected the Chargers to be much better than they are right now. I mean, Saley's still a first year head coach. And then Herbert, especially as he is, he's still a second year QB. So there's still a long way for him to grow. I mean, I don't think he's in close to his ceiling, which is awesome for not just the Chargers, but the rest of us in the NFL who you know get to watch him play. Um, but I I just I feel like they're at least on the right track and they still look like a probable playoff team just based on the way the AFC seems to be shaken out right now. And who knows, maybe they can get on one of these runs and be a special team in the post season.
1: Well, when you combine last night's game with what the Chargers did in Kansas city in week three, that rivalry cries out for a third opportunity mm-hmm. for them to get together in the post season. I'm kind of rooting for that to happen. And also one last point before uh, we take it to break your Rams, need to be worried about the Chargers, I think. Because with Herbert, oh, Herbert's going to be there for a long time. I don't know how long Matthew Stafford's going to be there. And most people would say, I'll take Herbert over Stafford right now. Right now. Not not just for 10 years or five years, but right now. Give me Herbert over Stafford. Your, your, your Rams, who have enjoyed, they got the head start and the return to the market, and they'd been in the market before, and it's kind of like the Rams are here and the Chargers are here and the Chargers are the B team I don't think the Chargers are going to be the B team for very long in that market. Well, I mean,
0: if Lincoln Riley really gets USC going, then uh, they could both be the B and C team to the A of uh, USC. That's the way football seems to work here in Southern California. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you make a good point with that. Look, Justin Herbert looks like one of the top two guys that people will probably start a franchise with right now. And the other guy, I think, would be on the other sideline You know, in last night's game. So I think whenever you have a quarterback like that, who is not just one of the best young players at the position, but one of the best players, period, at the position, yeah, that sets you up as a franchise uh, to be pretty good in the long term and perhaps take control of the market. But the, the Rams haven't really had a down year since Sean McVay's been there. So I mean, you can call it a down year when you go nine and seven and in this playoffs, but like the the Rams hadn't had that many winning seasons in a row since the seventies. Right, like this is not something that's. Their their franchise has been that particularly great. Even the greatest show on turf days, they didn't have that many consecutive winning seasons in a row as they've had with Sean.
1: Oh, I know. I know. And they may continue it. But the problem is the Chargers may be ready to leapfrog them. By the way, Donald Parham undergoing tests for head injury, stable condition at a local hospital in the L.A. area. It was a scary moment last night. I'm not going to show you any of it. It was hard to watch, uh, hard to watch uh, the injury, hard to watch his exit from the field, and uh, we, we wish him a quick recovery and all the best. And it's a reminder, and we get these reminders every couple weeks of the risks that these players take, and uh, we all need to appreciate and understand that. They're, they're out there for our entertainment, but there are very real physical risks that are being assumed. And then when it happens early in a game like that, I still don't know how the other guys muster that desire and that will to turn the light switch back on when you've seen something like that. Your worst fears played out for one of your teammates or one of your opponents. It's very, very difficult, I think, to get back in the right mindset, but uh, they just have to do it. They just go forward, and that's what the NFL is doing when it comes to the ongoing COVID outbreak. We're going to discuss next where things stand and what, if anything, it means for this weekend's games as more and more players land on the COVID reserve list. We'll discuss that next here on this Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live.
2: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner
0: banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com partners.
2: NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat Dad to the good stuff
0: at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts. Activewear. Watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off.
1: So Baker Mayfield sounding off on Twitter late Thursday afternoon about the NFL's protocols showing up and making only three teams test also you can keep the game as scheduled to make money people were confused by these things that Baker Mayfield had to say we'll explain what he was getting at actually caring about player safety would mean delaying the game with this continuing at the rate that it is but to say you won't test vaccinated players if they don't have symptoms then to pull this randomly doesn't make any sense to me let me get into what he was talking about here I caught wind of this just about the time he was posting these tweets you've got several players that are in enhanced covid protocols because they've got outbreaks and the enhanced protocols require that everyone on the team be tested every day even if they're vaccinated the normal protocol one a week test for those who are vaccinated enhanced protocol even if you're vaccinated you're getting your nose swabbed every single day so what happened yesterday, and I don't know how many of the teams in enhanced protocols this happened to, but the Browns were kind of ground zero for this. We're just not testing the vaccinated players today. We're just not doing it. And the players like, what what, the, what? are you talking about? We're in enhanced protocols. No, we're just not doing it. We're not doing it. And J.C. Tredder, who happens to be the NFLPA president, said, and who's been loudly advocating daily testing for everyone. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yes, we're testing everybody today. And I heard it happen in Washington. And it may have been, you know, I I can't get a straight answer, which, you know, anytime it's anything controversial like this, good luck getting a straight answer. But I think that they just decided one way to stop the bleeding, one way to turn off the, the busted faucet of positives, 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 just not test these guys. You know, they're talking right. about letting asymptomatic positive players return more quickly, why even test anyone who's asymptomatic. And and I think it's a glimpse of where this may go next year. In addition to saying if you're positive and asymptomatic you can play, if you're asymptomatic, we're just not going to test you. If you're vaccinated and asymptomatic, we're just not we're not going to find out. We don't want to know. We we cuz what what they're dealing with now, Miles, is a massive amount of players league-wide who are vaccinated, positive, and perfectly fine. And they don't know how to get out of this quicksand that their protocols have dragged them into. Right,
0: because when you feel like you've done all the right things, you know, you've been vaccinated, you feel fine and then you still turn up positive, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? Why am I positive? And now I, I feel especially fine. Like, why is it that I can't play? That's sort of how probably the players are feeling, especially now where it's like we we're seeing COVID numbers blow up like they never did last year or earlier in this season. And so it's kind of like, well, what the hell just happened? Because I find it hard to believe that just all of a sudden, people are going to start being completely irresponsible to the extent that so many different people are turning up positive. It's just, and I can understand from a player standpoint where it's like, well, what, what in the world just happened where I've been operating the same way that I've been operating the entire season and we haven't had this kind of COVID impact on our team? And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Like it's like it's, it's spreading like wildfire. And you have players and coaches even, I mean, the case of Kevin Stefanski, who are e- either, you know, boosted or about to be boosted and they feel fine, they are asymptomatic. And it's like, well, I understand that I test positive, but my gosh, like, what's going on here? So I think that like what Baker Mayfield was kind of saying is like, hey man, like, why is it that we have to continue to do all of these different things? Like just make up your mind, you know? And I think that like maybe his... Iyer was kind of directed at the wrong place in some ways, you know, because of course like if you are in these enhanced protocols and you're supposed to continue daily testing and they were trying, the NFL was apparently trying to do something that hadn't quite been agreed to yet, where we're not going to test the, the asymptomatic vaccinated players. And that's why his center JC Treader was pushing for it because they had, these things had not necessarily been agreed to yet. So I get where Baker Mayfield's coming from, from the standpoint of frustration, but it's still like, man, what's going on where all of a sudden this thing has exploded the way it has?
1: Right. And I think what Baker Mayfield was doing, I think this was fundamentally frustration that... The NFL doesn't want to find out how many more Browns players are positive because the NFL doesn't want to postpone the game, and we think the game should be postponed. We think too many of our guys are already positive. Now you're trying to stop the bleeding, and it's too late to stop the bleeding. You're trying to hold this game together and play this game. You don't want to know the truth. So it's a complicated stew of attitudes because I think Baker Mayfield would say, I'm positive, I'm vaccinated, I'm perfectly fine, I want to play. But if you're going to tell me artificially that I can't play because you're stuck with this protocol, and at the same time you're going to ignore a protocol that would otherwise find more positive results and more guys who can't play to the point where the team can't play and we avoid a situation where we lose to the Raiders because now Nick Mullins is our quarterback because Case Keenum... Tested positive yesterday as well. I think that's where the frustration came from. It came from the fact that he believed that the procedures were being manipulated to justify the show must go on. And that's really the thing to remember here. The show will go on, no matter who it is that's playing. The show's going on. There's 69 guys available per team. You got 53 on the roster, 16 on the practice squad. You got a pretty big buffer. Before you even get to the point, where you start dipping under 48. 48 is the absolute maximum number of guys you can have in uniform in any game. And there have been teams in the past, Tony Dungy dealt with this with the Colts, where I get so many injured guys, I got fewer than the maximum. I just got to go forward. And we don't know. And Shireen Williams was at the ownership meeting on Wednesday, asked the commissioner, what's the minimum number? And, you know, they're not going to tell us what the minimum number is. It's somewhere between 11 and 48. I think it's closer to 11 than 48. And we don't know what other procedures they have. Miles, I firmly believe, I don't know this, but I firmly believe that before they would cancel a game, they would say to a team, you can go out and sign five players right now. You need five players? You got 25? And they're never, I mean, the idea of only having 25 available, that would have to be one hell of an outbreak. But let's just say you only got 25, you need to have 30, go sign five right now. Before they would cancel a game, they would do that. Now, even, well, I mean, 30, maybe they need 10. You need 35. You need 40. 40 is your bare minimum. Go sign 10. Off And there's guys available. They're ready, and they're available, and they're willing. Good luck getting them ready to play. And you have safety issues arising from that where you're thrusting these guys into the NFL fray when they're not ready to be there. They don't know the schemes. They don't know their teammates. There is a point where it becomes a safety issue from a physical perspective. But uh, I, I, they're not postponing this game. They're not canceling games they're not giving back ticket money they're not refunding network revenue and the point that needs to be emphasized this game between the browns and the raiders is an nfl network exclusive game they have to play and broadcast those minimum number of nfl network exclusive nfl games to continue to get the subscription rates that they get from cable satellite streaming etc I don't know what they would do, and I'm not sure they know what they would do if all of a sudden they can't present one of these exclusive NFL Network games. But they're not going to go there because, Miles, we talked about this the other night on PFTPM. You may need to pack up that helmet you have behind you and get your butt to Cleveland because you're playing left tackle on Sunday for the Browns. They're going to drag guys out of the stands if they have to to get this game in.
0: I'd probably be a better guard than tackle. I mean, you know, that's at least the position that I played in high school. Probably be better as a puller. And at least that offense, they have pulling guards. So, you know, I would at least probably be more qualified to do that. But, you know, it's really interesting. Mike. I, I think now there is still a chance that some of these guys could be cleared, especially on the Browns, in time for this Raiders game, right, if they are vaccinated and asymptomatic. Do I have that correct?
1: Well, yeah, there's a new protocol now where you can come back a little bit sooner, and I got a problem with that, frankly. The new protocol agreed to yesterday where you can come back faster, you get tested more frequently, and all it takes is one negative now instead of the two negatives 24 hours apart. I mean, they had this convoluted thing that came out, but the bottom line is it does undermine the integrity of the season if you start changing the rules on what it takes to come back. Now, the response would be, at the start of the season, we didn't have this Omicron variant that's highly contagious, so we didn't have to do it. And the bottom line is they're going to do what they have to do, but it is easier to come back. We don't know who's going to be able to come back, but it's easier to come back now, so maybe the Browns are going to get some guys back.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the things that would obviously help them. I mean, Baker Mayfield tested positive earlier on in the week. So I think that there is still a possibility that he could test out of it. Now, whether or not he's going to do that, we'll have to see over the next 24, you know, 28 hours, however long it is until uh, kickoff happens. But yeah, when you have a situation where you then lose your top two quarterbacks, Your head coach is out. You've got another coach that's out. Um, They're one of their running backs coaches, right? You've got players on the offensive line. You've got your left tackle, right guard, White Teller. You've got Jarvis Landry. Uh, You've got Austin Hooper, another key tight end. Like, there are just so many guys who are missing. It does really affect the way the Browns even have a possibility of winning this game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And this actually is a big game with a lot of playoff implications, because if the Browns win this, then they get to eight and six. And in our first segment, we were talking about a team that's also eight and six and in the thick of the AFC wildcard race. And that's the Los Angeles chargers. So it's not like this isn't a really, really big game in general for the Browns. If they want as many people as they can possibly have there on the field. And I guess The other part of this is that we got to keep evolving as a science and as this virus is evolving, right? I mean, we can't necessarily apply, you know, July, August, July, 2021 solutions to things that are very different now here in late December, 2021 and into January, 2022. I, I just think that's the way things are evolving.
1: Oh, and I think the next step is vaccinated, asymptomatic, positive players should be allowed to play. Because the, the virus does not transmit during games. Look at all these stadiums full of people and there's no outbreaks that anyone is aware of. And there' are surely people who are positive in that crowd and they're pressed together in an open air environment or in a dome for hours so i think that's the next step and that'll be coming probably next year let's take a break when we return the jaguars aren't in the playoff conversation but they continue to make news meet the new coach definitely not the same as the old coach we'll hear from daryl bevel when pft live continues right after this